Welcome back to another episode of the Test Studio Times podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ostry, alongside Ben Dixon here on Wednesday, January 11th. Um, we have a lot to get to with Maryland men's basketball. We're going to talk a little bit Maryland women's basketball um, coming up in a bit. But first, Ben, this is going to be an absolute roller coaster of a season, as as it is going to be for almost every mediocre or team, pretty much every team in the Big Ten. What what no matter what tier you're on, it's going to be a roller coaster. But so far for Maryland, it's it's certainly been that. Started out eight and zero, dropped five straight to power conference opponents, had a couple non conference wins in there, but now just coming off a big win over a ranked Ohio State team at home to move to two and three in the Big Ten. There's a lot of teams in the Big Ten who were hovering right around three and two, two and three. So first, I guess we can talk about the Ohio State game. But first, just your impressions on the Maryland season so far through um, what are we through fifteen games? Uh, yeah. What are they? Uh, eleven and five, sixteen, sixteen, games. eleven games, and 16. five right now. Yeah, a lot of impressions to say the least. I think it's a roller coaster. How you described it is pretty much the perfect way. Eight and zero, exceeding everyone's expectations, and you know. That start, yes, they killed St. Louis, who's really kind of gone off the radar since then. But you look at that blowout win over Miami, who's now become the top 15 team. That looks better. Illinois win has been back and forth floating between, you know, quad one, quad two. They're certainly not as, you know, good. And and they've had their own roller coaster, certainly not as good as we expected preseason. And then you go two and five in your next seven games, uh, all things considered, oh and five against power conference opponents i'm not really counting those st peter's and, and umbc wins as anything other to then to inflate the win total and then that ohio state game was a, a strong performance uh, albeit against a shorthanded ohio state team but yeah i think roller coaster is probably the word i'd use to describe it um i think at eight no we were probably looking at different flights and hotels to get around the country to uh you know uh different round of 64 sites and round of 32 sites for the ncaa tournament i think we kind of took a step back on that in the in the last month or so, and and now big win over Ohio State, who ranks really good in in, in every computer metric, and you know not ranked in the AP poll right now, but twelve in Kempom as of today. It is it is going to be a ride. I think this team's going to be firmly on the bubble for the rest of the year. And I think when you look at Kevin Willard's year one from you know a big picture perspective, if you told Maryland fans before the season if you were going to be you know floating around five hundred in the Big Ten, competing for the NCAA tournament on the bubble all year long. I think they take that. However, given the roller coaster ride, eight and zero to now eleven and five, and and you know there were ten and five before that Ohio State game. It has been a ride, Sam, and and uh, there there's a lot to say about this team right now. That's that's yeah. for sure. When 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 you talk about expectations being reset throughout a season, I think every Maryland fan they want happiness the rest of the year as they watch this team just don't have any expectation and i think that goes for a lot of big 10 teams that you really just can't have uh, any expectation for these teams because every night in this conference it's an absolute uh it's just you it's you never know what's going to happen on a night-to-night basis in this conference i think the biggest roller coaster ride and we'll talk about the formula that they need and we'll get into that ohio state game but i think the bigger biggest roller coaster ride for this team has been their offense. And it's not just the team as a whole, but it's been their offensive performance because they looked like one of the worst offensive teams in the entire country out of power conference uh, teams. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about worse than South Carolina and the SEC who just beat Kentucky. I'm, I'm talking about worse than Vanderbilt. I'm talking about worse than Minnesota. I mean, this team looked like they could not score the ball and they really couldn't for long stretches of times um, for long stretches of time. We haven't been, we haven't recorded since the Rutgers game. But in that Rutgers game, uh, I believe it was 14 first half points or no, 17 first half points. They they finished the game with more turnovers. They had 20 turnovers than made field goals with 19. They were kind of competitive in that game, but Rutgers really controlled it the entire game. We don't have to get too much into that game, but it was another just horrific offensive performance. And we were almost like, this is going to be the new norm because that's how they followed up again, a horrible performance against Michigan where they scored 14 or 13, excuse me, points in the first half. So we were like, this is going to be the new norm. This is just a horrible horrible offensive team it doesn't have the personnel it doesn't have a system this team can't make open shots can't make contestant shots they can't get to the rim this is going to be the new norm for maryland where they just they just can't score and the only chance they have is to grind defensively and and kind of try to speed up the opponent with their press um and kind of get easy baskets in transition because in the half court they're they're, they're not capable of putting the ball in the hoop and then you go, uh, they follow that performance up against Rutgers, a horrible offensive performance, and they put up 80 against Ohio State at home. 
So it's just like, and they shoot 46% from the field and 38% from three. They finally are making shots. And I do think a lot of it is the home and away splits because this team is way better offensively and shooting the ball at home than on the road and at on neutral sites. But it's just every every day you don't know what team you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to be making shots. You don't know if it's going to be. It's you know you say it's a make or miss league. It's a make or miss sport. It really is because you don't know uh, if this team is is going to be a, capable of putting up the offense performance that we've seen from them on a night on certain nights. Then or they're going to put up the absolute dud where they turn the ball over at record pace and can't can't score to save their lives. Yeah, it is. It has really been a ride. I think it's worth noting that, yes, those Rutgers and Michigan first halves were terrible, but it was the same to be said for Tennessee and UCLA. So it was really four and Wisconsin straight, before them. Yeah, four to five straight games against legitimate competition. They, I think I believe well, they got the, going towards the end of that first half at Wisconsin, but still not a great start. by Four or five of those games, they were under 20 points in the first half. Terrible. It was it, it was a really bad stretch. And, and it's it was hard to certainly be encouraged by any means there, and and even with the Ohio State first half performance and the offensive performance in general, they scored eighty points, uh, nearly one point two points per possession. I think that was the most they had since that game against Miami. If you're talking about playing power conference opponents, um, right now this team is fourteenth in offensive adjusted offensive efficiency. Excuse me, in the Big Ten. There's only 14 teams in the Big Ten, so the, the stats support it. This team has been brutal offensively, but I think Sunday was really encouraging just from a standpoint of, yes, Zed Key was out for Ohio State. They really had no rim protection, and I think Hakeem Hart was able to take advantage of his matchup against freshman Bryce Sensabaugh, who was you know a special offensive player and a really special talent as just a freshman. But I think the matchups worked in Maryland's favor from you know a matchup standpoint against Ohio State. But, I mean, it, it has been tough, tough sledding for this team offensively. So the Ohio State game was was certainly encouraging. Maybe it was getting back home. That's what Willard credited to after the game. Not sure about that. I think maybe probably more matchup-based than anything. And then once they were able to make baskets to start the game early on, Sam, they were able to set up their press, which, of course, had an impact at the beginning of the second half. I think Ohio State had five turnovers in the first two minutes of the second half. Um, but... When you're making baskets, it it helps Maryland. If you're Maryland, uh, I'm saying if you're making baskets, it helps you get back to your identity of, you know, playing with fast tempo, playing with press, which was a major part of their identity early on in the season. And of course, you can't set up your press without any made baskets. Um, So so we saw, I think, Maryland's best complete performance uh, Sunday against Ohio State that we've seen in really since, you know, Maybe that Illinois game, I'd, I'd probably go back to the, the Hall of Fame tip-off against uh, St. Louis and Miami um, because that Illinois game, they did end up squeaking it by a, a, in front of a really intense home crowd against a really good team. But I think in terms of a, a complete performance and seeing everything you wanted to see from what made Maryland start so special, I think we saw a lot of that against Ohio State Sunday. Yeah, and and you know, talk about uh, the, the, what, the formula that you need for this Maryland, the formula of this team, Maryland team needs to kind of compete with some of the top teams in the Big Ten. And it starts with not shooting a plethora of threes. And that's what they've done um, the last few weeks up until this Ohio State game is you've seen them over rely on the three ball. And the reality is they're not a particularly good shooting team. I'm not saying they've, they've, they've put up some bad numbers in games, but I don't think they're necessarily a bad shooting team, but they're not very good. So when you're relying on the three ball as much as they were, especially when it's not, you know, some of them were open threes that they just weren't making, but they, there was no off-ball movement. There was no rotation from one from the ball from one side of the court to the other, which gets the defense moving. The defense job was so easy against this Maryland offense, especially in the half court, because they were just, there was no off-ball movement. They were jacking up threes, poor so- shot selection. So that was the biggest adjustment that I wanted to see moving forward, and we saw it against Ohio State. They only shot 13 threes and made five of them. That 13 was the, the lowest they've shot in a long time. Uh, they were they were jacking up threes in the twenty plus numbers for a, a long stretch there. So when you're shooting less threes, that allows you to get more shots in the lane, and that's one of the things that that Kevin Willard talked about. Is he said, you know, we have to find ways to score against bigger teams, and that's a difficult challenge. That, that, that didn't necessarily happen against Ohio State because, like you said, Zed Key was out. That really hurts them on the on the interior, and they just don't have a lot of rim protection. That's one of Ohio State's 
kind of weaker parts of weaker links of their team is is the lack of rim protection, a lack of size, especially with Zed Key out. So when when this Maryland team had the perfect game plan coming into Ohio State, they were going to get downhill, use dribble drive penetration. When they can get to the free throw line, they shot thirty three free throws, which is and they and they made twenty seven of them, which is eighty one percent, eighty one point eight percent. That that's phenomenal when they're getting getting downhill, getting to the lane, forcing refs to call fouls on them, dribble drive penetration, and that's when you create more open looks. When the defense has to converge, you can kick out for open threes, and that's when they knock some of them down. So I think that that was they had the perfect game plan against Ohio State. I don't know if that's necessarily going to work against bigger teams who has the interior presence where it's not as easy to drive in the lane and and kind of break shoulders on the perimeter when you ha- when you know you have that. Uh, that next line of defense coming in on the interior. But I, I do think it was encouraging to see them. And moving forward, even against bigger teams, that's what the formula needs to be. It needs to be not focusing on shooting the three ball at a high rate, but focusing on breaking shoulders on the perimeter, getting downhill, passing out, creating open looks, through dribble drive penetration, because this offense just can't rely on shooting threes because they're not going to win a lot of games doing that. 100%. I mean, how many times have we said throughout the season, get to the basket, get to the basket when they're just settling for bad threes? Kind of like you said, the shot selection is so big. And I think one person who's really been a byproduct at that, at least in the last two games, someone who, you know, we've talked about all season long and he came in, he was supposed to be a three point sniper and we just haven't seen it. He's still only shooting 29% from three. But Don Carey, I mean, Willard said post game against Ohio State, the focus for him has been taking you know, good shots instead of just taking shots, period. And there were times where you saw him rush threes and force threes, and, and it was kind of going against his game and, and really hurting the Maryland offense. I'm not going to say that's the only thing that was hurting the Maryland offense because there were a lot of problems affecting that, and I think the dribble penetration, and, and like you said, is is a big thing there. But for Don Carey, he only took three shots against Ohio State, two threes, both really high-quality selection threes, two for two, and then he was four for eight against Rutgers, too. So I think this team, like you said, I don't know necessarily if they're a bad shooting team. I think the bad shot selection was the narrative with this bad offensive stretch that they've been on for the last month or so because they were settling for threes. I think we saw with Dante Scott, he was so strong early in the in the year when you were doing his film review on him. His bread and butter was kind of getting to that mid post using that, you know, sky hook is, is the shot turning face seven feet away from the basket. Um and it feels like even he was, you know, regressing and, and and settling for threes, which we saw later on, or saw, excuse me, earlier in his career. Um, so I think you definitely make completely valid points there. I think that's the formula that needs to get this Maryland offense going. And I think maybe what we saw with Don Carey was a little bit of a, a, a byproduct of that and kind of Maryland's you know, game plan to, you know, take good shots, not just take any shots. Yeah, Don Carey is starting, starting to shoot the ball particularly well, which which would be huge for this team if, if that continues after an unbelievably cold start to the season. But all five of their starters scored in double double figures. I mean, that's very rare for this team. I think it only happened once earlier this season, or maybe maybe it was only four starters that scored double figures earlier this season. So that's, that's pretty huge for this team um, when you have that production from your starters, and, and they need that too. But of course, it was, it was Jameer Young, like, like you can talk about all these things the offense need, needs to do, but it starts with your best players playing well. And Jameer Young and Dante Scott are Maryland's two best players. And Jameer Young has really emerged as as the best player on this team, to be honest with you. And he had a phenomenal game. I mean, he had 30 points. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well from three. He's one for five from three, but he got to the free throw line so much. And when you talk about that dribble, dribble drive penetration and breaking shoulders on the perimeter and doing your best to get downhill... That's that's what Jameer Young did, and, and he proved that by getting to the free throw line because they were fouling him a lot. He shot 15 free throws, made 13 of them. Like I said, finished with 30 points and also grabbed 11 rebounds, uh, which is huge because he's he's a big guard down there, and he likes to get physical and, and crash the glass, and, and he's proven that. He had it was his double, double, he had a double-double, 30 points and 11 rebounds. I mean, that's just that's a phenomenal stat line. He, he only, It was only his sixth double-double in his college career, I believe. So that's just... That's just a great job by him kind of leading the charge and then leading this team. And, and he is the point guard, but also in terms of their game plan, like if he's getting downhill, it, it'll encourage other guys to get downhill. Um, It'll kind of set the tone for the entire offense. And he did a good job with that. But like if you're, if you're going to get the kind of production that they got from all their starters and granted very little bench production, only six total points uh, from their bench. And only he, you know, Willard really tightened the rotation. Only three guys played off the bench. Patrick Emilian, Jahari Long, and Ian Martinez, three guys you kind of expect. 
but little production from the bench. But when you're when your starters are all in double figures, that's really encouraging uh, moving forward. No doubt, and and Jameer kind of embodied that that game plan you said of going downhill, getting to the basket, fifteen free throws. Um, I think he only had that he had one game with sixteen free throws in twenty twenty one against FAU. Um, that was by far his his most since then, and thirty points just just so impressive to see that from him, even when he's not not shooting the ball well. And you talk about the starting five scoring in double digits. Look, we when we were talking about the team at the beginning of the season, we thought they were going to be really bad because they had no bench. And I don't really think those questions have necessarily been answered yet. Ian Martinez has certainly improved. Uh, Jahari Long is is you know a serviceable backup point guard, a guy should, who should improve as long as he stays with Willard next year. And Patrick Emelian doesn't really bring you much on the offensive side of the ball, um, and he's an undersized big as well. So I don't know if those worries yeah. have necessarily well, sub- subsided, but to your point, you're going to need that offensive production from your starting five. Yeah, well, look, all four, four of the five starters played 30 or more minutes, and the only guy who didn't was Julian Reese, um, who was, again, in a little bit of foul trouble. And, and they have a serviceable, bit, serviceable backup in Patrick Emelian, even though he's not necessarily a big guy. He, he's been pretty productive um, and efficient on the floor on both ends. And so he played 20 minutes. So when four of your five stars are playing 30 plus minutes, that's kind of ideal for this team. But part of that is Maryland played on Sunday. They don't play for a week. This was their longest rest period since like the Christmas break um, when they had that after that grueling five game stretch. But so that that's part of it. Like you're not going to have a lot of week breaks, if any, the rest of the season um, in the Big Ten. So so when those guys are playing 30 plus minutes on a nightly basis, it's going to kind of get difficult when you only have two days or three days of rest in between rather than seven days. Yeah. Really weird scheduling on, on the big 10 part. I, I think they're playing at least two games per week uh, or in a seven day span for the rest of the season could be wrong there with, with my math, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's correct. Yeah. I mean, to have all all five guys contribute like that. I think if Juju, he, you know, had that shoulder stare too, he, he probably would have played, 30 plus minutes as well. If, if he was on the floor there, I think with him seeing his aggression with Zed key out was also an encouraging sign, but uh, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say, like we talk about the game plan and it worked against Ohio state, get to the rim. Um, they don't have a lot of interior presence, limit the three point shooting, only attempt good, solid looks from three, but really have your offense be predicated by dribble drive penetration off the dribble. So, and that worked against Ohio State to a T. They, that was a great game plan. Whoever came up with it, Willard and his staff and, and Maryland's players, to their credit, executed it really well. That's only going to work against a handful of other teams throughout the Big Ten the rest of the way. Penn State will work against, we were talking about this earlier, the Minnesota, Nebraska might. Like, when Michigan, that game plan would never work against you. You saw it earlier this season, didn't work. But they're, again, coming up they, in two games, they play Michigan next Thursday, you know, Eight days from today, Michigan's coming to College Park. That game plan doesn't work against Michigan. Maryland's going on the road soon to Purdue. That we know that game plan certainly, certainly will not work there. Yeah, against Zach Eady and Purdue. Um, you know, Indiana. There's a bunch of teams on their schedule where that game plan, when they have interior presence, and that's the thing about the big. It's like the year of the big in college basketball. It's the year of the big in the Big Ten, too. So it's it that's really difficult as they kind of figure out their game plan the rest of the way against certain matchups. But when you have when you have interior presence and this team isn't big, so they're not going to be able to dominate the rebounding battle and dominate the paint against most Big Ten teams the way they did against Ohio State on Sunday. So when you have you have that problem and that dilemma and you have to figure out how to score against bigger teams, it comes down to you have to you have to win the three point battle. And we don't know. Like that's it's so much mystery if. Maryland's going to have success with that on a nightly basis. If they're not consistently hitting threes against some bigger teams where they don't have, it's not as easy to get downhill. Maryland's going to, it's going to be a struggle. Like if they go on long scoring droughts, like they have in the last few weeks of eight, nine minutes. Um, and, they're, and they're like, Oh, for eight from three to start a game. It's, it's going to get ugly for Maryland. Like we've seen, like we've seen it get ugly a few times this season. So it's, it's, it's tough. Like, the, I don't. I don't exactly know how to how to balance that when that's your game plan. It works against bigger, against smaller teams, but you're a smaller team too. So when you're playing all these big teams in the Big Ten schedule, what's your game plan going to be? Is it just going to be rely on three so much, which we haven't seen work? But it's going to be tough because Maryland does need to win the the three point battle and the, the Don Carey getting going from three. That's big. You want to see Hakeem Hart get his rhythm back. Obviously Dante Scott. He had he had uh did he have two threes or one? Two for five against Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, he had two threes, two four. 
um, or two five. Uh, two for four, two for four. Yeah, sorry. two for four. Looking at his two um, point field goals there. On Ohio, against Ohio State. So if he's getting going from three again, that that's going to be crucial. But you just need to see this team uh, become a bigger three point threat, especially against some of these bigger teams where it's going to be really tough to score. No doubt. And, and the word mystery you use when describing, you know, the three point shooting, I think that sums it up pretty accurately. We really don't know if this team is going to be able to win the three point battle night in and night out, especially, you know, on, on the road too, when you start to enter some of these hostile Big Ten environments starting Sunday against Iowa, Purdue a week from then, Mackey Arena's arguably the best crowd in the entire country. So, you know, it's it's a really big mystery right now with the shooting. You talk about the game plan. I think they're extremely valid points you make. It's not just what they did against Ohio State. It's just it's not going to be sustainable against teams like Michigan, teams like Purdue, teams like Indiana with Trace Jackson Davis. It's just it's not. So you're going to need to find other ways to generate some offense and generate some ways to score the ball. Because, you know, what we saw against Rutgers and Michigan, the, the offense was was non-existent and and you know even dating back before then Tennessee in the first half and, and UCLA at home they it you know there's got to be some answers there uh in terms of you know running yeah, sets but, and, and generating offense but you know we're, we're not and, the and that's why it is such a mystery because we saw this team earlier in the season against Illinois against Miami against St. Louis we saw this team be phenomenal from three-point range or just be a phenomenal overall shooting team and that's why it was so encouraging because in the beginning of the season, we didn't necessarily expect that. But so that's why it was so encouraging. And then they kind of hit this wall and they can't make a shot against Tennessee. They can't make a shot against Michigan, can't make a shot against Rutgers. They really are struggling. Of course, UCLA, they're really struggling shooting the ball. So that's why it's like on a nightly basis. Like, what are you going to get? Like, could they come against, come on the road against Purdue and, and make 11 threes and, and have a chance to win that game? Like, it, it's possible. And I don't think we should be shocked by any time, by any of that. But at the same time, because they have good shooters, like Don Carey's a good shooter. Dante Scott's a good shooter. Akeem Hart, good three-point shooter. You know, but at the same time, if we've seen them come out 0 for 11 from three. So that wouldn't be surprising also, which is which is interesting. The other, the other thing about it is um, the pace of play. Like, this team is so much better when they're getting into their press. And, of course, you can only do that off of made baskets or really stoppages in play. But... When, when they're pressing and they're dictating the pace of the game, which is so important for them, they can't let the opponent dictate the pace. They need to dictate the pace, especially for a smaller team. You want to, you want to control the pace and play with a ton of it because to get out, you want, that's what you want to do. If you're a smaller team, you want to get out in transition. You want to run and that starts with pressing, speeding up the opponent, um, creating turnovers if you can. And just Ohio State did 12 turnovers the other day and just getting out in transition um, through that Maryland, 16 points, off of turnovers against Ohio State, just getting out in transition, uh, playing really fast. And that, that might mean shooting an abundance of shots and threes, but the more you can get up, the more you have a better chance of making. So if you're shooting a lot of shots um, and you're playing with playing really fast and, and pushing the ball out, out in transition, I think I think that's another part of the formula for this Maryland team to have success the rest of the season. Yeah, and it's also, I think, the other side of the turnover battle too. Like you look at the game at Rutgers and they had 20 or – 20 turnovers at Rutgers, it's, you know, a lot of those were on four stars too. So I, I think it goes beyond just, just the game plan perspective. And if if you're turning the ball over carelessly in the league, which we saw them doing uh, clean up a little bit against Ohio State, only 12 turnovers, you, you're not going to find yourself in, in many winning situations either. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we just talk about this, this team's future a little bit in the big, the, the immediate future in the big 10 and their schedule? Yeah, why not? I mean, the, the, I mean, the team does right now, according to Torvik, BartTorvik.com, a, a great analytical site also on the team sheet there. Easiest remaining schedule in the Big Ten. And what, yeah. eight, eight of those games are at home? So yeah, they, eight, they, do, they, they do have an opportunity here. No yeah, doubt. so eight of the 15 remaining games are at home. Like you said, easiest schedule in the Big Ten, according to the according to Torvik and um, obviously a good analytical site. The big thing about any team in the Big Ten who's going to be on the bubble and Maryland especially, is you got to take care of your home games. And we saw that against Ohio State. They've struggled on the road against Rutgers, against Michigan. But you have to win your home games in this conference. And that's going to be so important for Maryland uh, moving forward. Right now, they're 41 in the net, 34 in Ken Palm. Um, they're 10th in the Big Ten standings, but it's there's only been five games. Most teams have only played five games in the Big Ten. They're two and three. There's a lot of two and three, three and two teams. But so their immediate schedule looks like this. We said they don't play... Um, until 
Sunday. So they have, they have a week off from, from their last game to their next game. They're going to be at Iowa, an Iowa team that is without Patrick McCaffrey right now, but is playing pretty well. Um, after I thought they, they didn't really have a shot at the tournament. They didn't look really good through the beginnings part of the season, but they're playing good basketball right now. That's never an easy environment to go into. They play at Iowa. Then they're going to be back home at Michigan, on the road against Purdue, back home against Wisconsin uh, before the schedule gets a little easier. That's a really tough four-game stretch. Really, really tough, honestly, especially with those two road games. Michigan and Wisconsin are both home games, and they're both um, rematches. We know Michigan Maryland got blown out when they went to Ann Arbor. Um, Maryland played Wisconsin their first Big Ten game of the year, and they got off to a really slow start, but it was competitive by the end. They only lost by a few points. Those those are rematches that you kind of need to win. Over these next four games, starting with Iowa, where do you see Maryland's record kind of ending up, and where do you see them stacking up in these games? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth noting that you know, we, we said they have the easy schedule remaining. They've played the second hardest Big Ten schedule so far, and they're two and three. So I think if you if you take out the eight no start and take out just all emotions and look at that from and take out, you know, the margins of deficit or the margins of, of defeat as well. Um, not terrible, all things considered. It this next stretch of games at Iowa and at Purdue are, are gonna be really hard. Um I think you in this next five game stretch. Iowa on the road, Michigan at home, Purdue away, then Wisconsin and Nebraska at home. You want to go three and two in that stretch. You got to win all those home games. You you can't get swept to Michigan, who, you know, as much as they looked like world beaters against Maryland, is is not really that good of a team. And then probably on the outside looking in of, of the NCAA tournament picture right now, you can't get swept by Wisconsin, who, yes, they're in the AP poll, but they're 57 in Kempom right now. And Maryland is 34, much higher. A game they probably could have stolen on the road. They did not. You got to win that one at home. And then Nebraska, of course, at home. If, if you lose that game, there's going to be some some big issues. I think Nebraska is, is tougher than, than its ranking and its record right now. But but still, you, you can't bow down to Nebraska at home. You're gonna, you're, I think they're going to lose this Sunday at Iowa. I think Iowa, after losing to Eastern Illinois, has really gotten back on, on track. Um, they came back and beat Indiana after being 20 down and beat Rockers on the road. I mean, no one just walks into the rack or, or Jersey Mike's Arena and wins a game there. And that win for Iowa State for Iowa's looking much better now, um, given the way that the Cyclones are playing. And then on the road at Purdue, who's was just the number one team in the country uh, against the national player that you're favored in Zach Eadie, that's going to be really hard to win as well. So I think you're okay losing those two games. You want to win the three games at home. But I think more importantly, you want to compete in those road games. You don't want to you know, have those 30-point losses, even the 14-point loss at Rutgers. Once Rutgers went on that run early in the second half, Maryland was never within arm's reach, never within single digits. Um, so we'll see. I, I think I think you want to go 3-2 and two in that stretch, and then the schedule shapes out. You got Indiana at home if you're riding some momentum. You know, Indiana, obviously underachieving there as well. That's a game you might want to win on January 31st at home. And then Minnesota on the road has been the worst team in the 10, but, you know, the Big Ten's hard, Sam. Like you and I have yeah, talked about many times off the record, it, it seems like any team who's the underdog is, is able to compete. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this conference is so wacky and it's so like mediocre. I think this year is the right word. Like it's just not a very good conference this year. Like Purdue is the odds-on favorite to win the conference, and and I think they have a chance even to make a deep run in March. But I don't see anyone else in this conference having a chance to make even a Final Four run. It's not a very good conference, but there's so many decent and solid and mediocre teams and it seems like almost all of them are and that's why they kind of cannibalize um each other and it's it's so difficult um and that's that's been the argument for years of why this team can't win a national title uh, or why this conference can't win a national title but it, it's just so difficult night in night out in this conference because everyone's so evenly matched like no one's better than anyone else you know like that's why it's there's no i won't be surprised if maryland beats any team maybe other than purdue on the road like even Ohio State was was the second best considered the second best team in this conference. Maryland beat them at home. There's no one on the, in this conference. I would be like, oh wow, like that's shocking. Maryland beat them, but at, but at the same time, if Maryland loses to anyone in this conference, I wouldn't be like, oh, like that that's a shocking loss. Like maybe Nebraska at home, maybe Minnesota, even though they played them twice. Other than that, like it's really like there's no surprise night in and night out who Maryland could beat or who could who they could lose to in the conference. But I think the really important thing that you said is they have to look competitive because they've looked horrific on the road in their Big Ten game so far. Wisconsin was competitive at the beginning of the season, 
but they got off to a really bad start, trailed by like almost 20, I think, or maybe 18 in, the, in that first half. Michigan, we know, was an absolute disaster. Rutgers, the score says only 14, but it felt like Rutgers had control, but like they were up 20 the entire game, even though it was only like a four-point game at some point in the second half. Um, Maryland didn't really have a chance in that game, especially on the road. They have to look competitive and they can't go on these scoring droughts of, of eight, nine minutes where they can't even get to the free throw line. They, they can't hit a shot. They're turning the ball over at record pace. That's just that's not going to be the right formula um, for them to win, especially on the road. But just looking at their schedule, the next four games, I can like I would think this team would be lucky to get to go one and three over this next four. Purdue on the road seems like a loss. I think they're going to lose to Iowa on the road this this week at this week. Even though I think that's going to be a really competitive game, just because the rest that Maryland has, it's another game where their starters can play thirty plus minutes. And we've seen that if their stars are playing thirty plus minutes, that's kind of a key to success for them. But it's difficult when you have games one day and then you only have two days off, um, and you and you're playing another game three days later. So I, I think they're going to lose to Iowa. Um, I think they beat either Michigan or Wisconsin. I would probably lean Michigan at home. I think a lot of students will be back for that. That's like right when classes start. So I think that'll be a great environment at home. But then I think they lose to Wisconsin because I think this Wisconsin team can compete for the Big Ten title. So I can kind of see them going one and three. It would be a miracle if they go two and two in that stretch. Um, And I think they'd be lucky to go one and three. There's a good possibility they're 0 and four with these next four games. We'll see. I think think they're going to compete at home given what we saw against Ohio State and you know it, it obviously matters if they compete at Iowa to be to be fair right now they are favored by multiple possessions according to Ken Palm in both those Michigan and Wisconsin games but I think that's easier said than done given the I fact mean, so that those games are also week plus or what right right 100 percent. but I, I also think it's, it's worth noting that we've we've seen those teams and and you know we've seen Maryland completely just blow it at uh, at Michigan. And yeah, then... Look, I don't, I don't think they're losing by 35 to Michigan um, at home, but at the same time, like, what's the game plan for Hunter Dickinson? He might not have 32, but he loves playing Maryland, especially he's going to be love playing Maryland in College Park with well, this fans. Is, this is the first time he's going to be yeah. playing in front of the College Park fans. Yeah, since all those beef and all those wars he's had with fans and, and of course, the previous coach. So this is going to be the first time Hunter Dickinson returns. But they don't know, like, forget all the off-court drama. Like, on the court, they don't have a game plan for him. For him. He can step out and shoot the ball. They don't have an answer. He, he will destroy Julian Reese, force him in foul trouble all game. Patrick Million, you could you don't, like, if you double him, they have shooters to kick out to. Um, offensively for Maryland, you know, they, 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 they're not good at, like we talked about it earlier, they're not good at scoring against bigger, bigger teams. They can't get downhill with Hunter Dickinson just hanging out in the paint. It's going to be really difficult. It's like... Like, yeah, like I, I, I get they're at home. I get this Michigan team isn't that good at all, but it's a matchup thing. Like, how can how Maryland doesn't have the matchups to, to beat a Michigan team? I agree. I, I I agree with that. I think also Jet Howard is is ultimately talented on the on the perimeter, probably gonna be an NBA guy for for Michigan right after this year. Kobe Bufkin's been good early on in his career. I I, I would agree with you. I think Maryland really struggles to match up against Michigan, even at home. That that crowd is going to be probably it's it's going to be a pretty vicious student section for Hunter Dick, Hunter Dickinson. I would imagine um, there's there's really no love lost. I mean, we've we've read the stories where he's he's gotten turned away from from Maryland parties um, and and from people we we may or may not know there. But um, you know, we we understand the hatred between the two of them and. He'll be ready to play. I don't. I don't think it's one of, uh, a thing where he'll go into a shell and, and be scared to play against that Maryland home crowd because I think he's probably had this date circled on his calendar for for three. Did you just, years. Call, did you just call it the shell? No, no, no. I said I said he won't be scared to come out of his shell against. Uh, I thought I thought you I thought we were back in football. No, season. no, no, it the no, shell no, for no. a sec. No, that would, that would, that would be funny, but um, we'll see. I I, I think. If you're Maryland and if you're Kevin Willard and if you're on the team, you have those two games, January 19th against Michigan at home and January 25th against Wisconsin at home, which, by the way, Purdue is right smack in the middle of that six-day span right there. Mm-hmm. You have both those games. You need to win those games if you want to go to the tournament at home. You just can't afford to get swept by by those opponents when you really need to go 500 in this conference to make the Big Ten yeah. uh, or make the NCAA tournament. I think it's worth looking by the way, at the standings right now, just just give the listeners a look. Um, 
Every team in this conference has lost a game. Every team in this conference has won a game except Minnesota, who's 0-4. And right now you have four teams with one loss, all above, the, all in the top four, Northwestern, kind of surprising some people, and then Michigan, even though they haven't been fantastic. They've been good in conference play at 3-1. and one. And Maryland's 2-3. and three. So, look, this team's not going to be competing for a conference title, but you, you want to secure that single buy. You want to go around 500 in Big Ten play. And I think by doing that and competing, because of course the the deficit matters when you're talking about the net and, and other computer rankings that the tournament takes into account, and then of course the eye test as well. Um, you want to compete, and and but if you find yourself at 500, I don't want to do a crazy look ahead of here, but if you find yourself at 500 with given the stretch and and the the what second or easy schedule remaining in the in the Big Ten, um, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, look, like I think we, we everyone agrees that if this team is 500 at the end of the year, they're probably on the right side of the bubble. But the reality is, for the next two months, it's stressful. But this Maryland team is going to be on the bubble, and they're, they may, at some weeks they may look like on the, they're they're on the right side of the bubble. Other weeks they may look like they're on the wrong side of the bubble. Um, we talk about taking care of business at home, you know. And after they're on the road against Iowa, come back home against Michigan, on the road against Purdue, but then they have Wisconsin at home, Nebraska at home, and Indiana at home. Like we talk about Nebraska, one of the worst teams, or one of the lesser teams in the Big Ten, and then an Indiana team that had a lot of expectation coming into the year, but is really struggling. Who knows if they'll get it going um, a few weeks from now? And then they're on the road against Minnesota, probably the worst team in the Big Ten. So that's a stretch where you can pick up uh, two out of three, maybe three out of four. And it's like that, that can kind of change the tie on the season um, in a way. And then look, like when you talk about this team's this team hovering around 500 all year they're, they're, they're they may they there may look like a time where they're three or four games under 500 but how they finish the season is incredibly uh, an incredibly easy stretch they play on the road against nebraska at home against minnesota at home against northwestern right there i know northwestern looks really good but right there those are three of the lesser teams in the big 10 maryland should be favorite favorites in all those games then they're on the road against ohio state can almost guarantee you Ohio State wins that game after Maryland beat them um, in College Park. And then they're on the road against Penn State to finish the season. So that's a stretch right there where they could go three and two, potentially four and one, and kind of booster their record going into the Big Ten tournament, which again could play a factor um, in whether they get selected on Selection Sunday or not. But yeah, you're right about this, these standings. But the thing is, like, how many teams is the tournament? Like, I feel like the Big Ten hype is just is dwindling and people don't consider the Big Ten the scary conference anymore. Yeah, it's a really deep conference. There, there's a lot of good, solid teams, but there's no one that good. And it's like Maryland and nine. I'm not Maryland. The Big Ten had nine teams in the tournament last season. How many teams is the NCAA selection committee going to put in, in the tournament this year out of the Big Ten? They're probably everyone's sick of the Big Ten. Like, right. like, is it it's, really, like it's, it's also the the performance in March has been brutal. And, exactly, and, exactly. and yeah, given the fact the, the last the last Big Ten team to win a national title wasn't even in the conference at the time. Yeah, it was like, Maryland. Yeah. So I will say right now, uh on like the, the committee does have to look at each year as an independent event, like which of course it should be, but the, the it Big should, Ten should, but in reality does it when it's it, the same yeah. people selecting it year after year? I I mean I don't know. Right now, I will say this morning or yesterday morning's bracket, Joe Lenardi had nine Big Ten teams in, and then Iowa and Penn State were right there on, on the first eight teams out. Um, was, Mar- was Maryland on the right side of those nine? Yeah, Maryland was was a nine seed in in, in Des Moines against Creighton in that uh, in that ESPN bracketology. I think. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get into the bracketology as as, yeah, as of the course. Bubble, I mean, as the bubble starts to you know boil as as the season goes on, but it, it's interesting. To note that I, I think I saw him out on, in Fox Sports bracketology yesterday. So even though some people may say they're safely in, some people may say they're out. I think this is a bubble team as of today. Yeah, I think I think it's it's obviously two months away. It's way too hard to to know whether they're in or out at this point. But I think everyone can re- realize and recognize this team is going to be on the bubble um, for, for the rest of the season, just based on the last how the last few weeks have gone and and how difficult the Big Ten is. But just to my point earlier, it's like. You have nine teams in the Big Ten. I mean, you just said Maryland was like probably the last one in of those nine, and Penn State and Iowa were on the outside looking in. Like Iowa, like Iowa's probably better than Maryland, and Penn State is neck and neck with Maryland. I think that's a tournament team. Um, with they've they have phenomenal guard play. Not a lot of 
in, inside presence, but phenomenal guard play. So it's like those two Maryland plays Iowa once, right? They only play them once this season. Yeah. It so is. they're going, Sunday, they're going yeah, on the road good. like that. That's a pretty big game. Cause that's kind of a team that you're competing against uh, for one of those last tournament spots in the big 10. And of course they play Penn state twice this season. Once um, one, one of the times they play him was on the road in the last game of the season. So it's, it's tough. Like, like why would the, but it's why would the committee put um, nine Big Ten teams in, in again? Like, I get it's probably the deepest conference, but it's just tough because the, the, there may be a cutoff point where it's like Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, um, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State, Illinois. Those teams seem like they're pretty securely in. Um, and then you have depends Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, if they can turn it around and potentially Northwestern if, if they keep up their hot start it's just it's just it's going to be tough but the reality is this team is going to be on the bubble all season so we're going to have to keep talking about <laughs> their place um in the net and in the ken palm and, and all that no doubt uh major chance to make a, a statement sunday though should we uh should we give some predictions before that uh before we move on yeah yeah we can do that um right now uh i mean iowa does play again iowa plays tomorrow against thursday against michigan at home before maryland comes in sunday um I don't know. I, I don't see Maryland walking into Iowa City with a W. You hope they compete. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's fair to expect a, a road win against Iowa, who's playing at a really good level right now. Um, I think they're, they're probably going to lose that game by uh, somewhere between five to seven points. So I, I'll go. Uh, I'll go Iowa. I'll go Iowa 69, Maryland 64 final score. Iowa 69, Maryland 64. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard to give Maryland, predict Maryland will win this game, given they just haven't been bad on the road. I mean, they've been horrifically non-competitive on the road. One of the worst Louisville. road teams in all of pa- the Cairo Conference. I mean, they've been so bad on the road. It's almost unfathomable. So how could I possibly predict that that Maryland is going to win a game in this conference on the road? And until I see it, until, which we may, we they may, they may, they may change the tide against this Iowa team. Um, so maybe, but it's hard to, I can't possibly predict that Maryland's going to win a game in this conference on the road until we see decent, at least decent offensive production. And we, at least we see them be competitive against Iowa. I do think they're going to be competitive. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I don't think like I was playing really well, but I don't think they're particularly good. Um, I, I think they're going to be on the wrong side of the bubble when, when, when selection Sunday comes in a couple months. But I would say Iowa 68, Maryland 60. But a pretty competitive game. Yeah, you hope it's competitive. If it's not, um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of uprising, a lot of um, you know backlash among among the fans. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's almost like what are they doing like on the road? Like how it's I I know it's the Big Ten. It's great fan bases, great atmospheres, all in all these arenas, but. It's almost like like I know it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, but it's like how how like, what are you doing on the road where you're just not even competitive when you step on the floor against teams that aren't really that much better than you? I don't even know if they are better than you, but we'll see if that can change a little bit against Iowa. I'm sure the coaching staff is going to switch some things up um, than what they've done the last the last few road games. No doubt, no doubt. We will see. Hopefully, hopefully, competitive one for our covering standpoint and and the Maryland standpoint as well. Uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Maryland women's basketball, who, on the flip side of a roller coaster, uh, they they've had a very steady ride the last few weeks after kind of having a roller coaster, um, season to start, but they they've been phenomenal recently. They're as high as nine in the AP poll. They're a top ten team in the country as of now. Um, they're on a what? They they haven't six lost six game winning streak. I believe. Six game winning streak, and and that goes back. Uh, after a horrible loss, a horrible loss to a worse Nebraska team at home, where Maryland, that was the first time Maryland had lost to Nebraska since they entered the Big Ten. Um, they've gone on a six-game winning streak and haven't lost. So I'm sure Brenda Free sent a message to her group after a 23-point loss to Nebraska. They they had a huge buzzer-beater win against Purdue, beat uh, UConn, and they've just been racking up wins since. Most recently, beat Rutgers and then Michigan State. Rutgers was on the road. Michigan State was at home. They have a really tough test against Indiana tomorrow night, who's ranked number six in the country. They may be the favorites in the Big Ten, along with Ohio State, along with Iowa, along with Maryland. The Big Ten is really good this year. Uh, but what have, what have your been impressions of this of this this six game stretch? 
really, really good conference. Uh, going to be a, a brutally tough game tomorrow night at Indiana. I think whoever wins that game will probably separate themselves as as being able to, you know, stick near the top and then with Ohio State, who's six and zero in the conference, and, and have a chance to, uh, you know, stay up there. And as we move into February and, and later in January, but this six and zero stretch has been really impressive. I think we we talked about the the UConn game on, on the older podcast. Beat, beat UConn, who was shorthanded by seven on December 11th. That was a month ago, exactly. And they've been on a roll since, I think, a 10-day break after that and then a nine-day break after the at IPFW Fort Wayne game on December 21st before playing Minnesota on December 30th. I think those breaks had to have helped this team because they are just rolling in Big Ten play. You beat Minnesota by 22, beat Rutgers by 11, and then beat Michigan State by 9. Yeah, they outscored him thirty to eleven in the third quarter. I mean, it was it was a close game and, until it wasn't there. Um, I think you're seeing this infusion of talent. Um, Abby Myers coming in from Princeton, it's been an absolute you know star for Maryland. Only eleven against Michigan State, twenty two against Rutgers, seventeen against Minnesota. Had twenty in that win against UConn and nineteen against Purdue. She's been great coming in. Diamond Miller, of course, the WNBA prospect there. Uh, led the team of 25 against Michigan State. And I think you're starting to see uh, a big difference here with Lavender Briggs, the Florida transfer. Um, our beat has been all over it on the site. If you haven't, check out their website or check out their articles on testdutatimes.com. She scored 15, 10, and 14 in her last three games, all Big Ten games, after scoring double digits once before against Pittsburgh on, on November 27th this season. Uh, she was a 20-point-per-game scorer at Florida. She's come in really starting to make her impact felt there as well. So I think you're starting to see this this star power and 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 the new faces on this team. Look, when you have a completely new team, all things considered, other than you know Diamond Miller and and Cheyenne Sellers and Faith Personas, who was hurt for a lot of last year, kind of blend together. I think you're starting to see that and starting to see the chemistry just get better and better every game, and it's it's a really good sign coming into some of these these marquee games here in, in January. Yeah, I mean this team is is playing well entering a the heart of big 10 play and that that's kind of what you want to see like you want your teams to play best at this point and obviously at the end of february early march as they enter the tournament both conference and ncaa tournament that's what brenda freeze does like that's what she gets her teams to do um obviously after that nebraska loss they've completely reset um have had some breaks like you said that have helped them and brenda freeze has addressed what was needed to be addressed and you've seen abby myers who kind of had a rocky start to start some good performances some not so great performances uh brenda Freeze kind of challenged her in the media and uh, kind of or challenged her, I'm sure, behind closed doors and and um, publicly and wanted to see better performances out of her. And, and she's been very steadily just great um, since then. Obviously, Diamond Miller has been the star um, that, that everyone expected her to be entering this season and throughout her entire career there. Um, and like you said, Lavender Briggs, Cheyenne Sellers, all those like they've just been getting contributions from everywhere and they look they look really good and they look like they could win the entire Big Ten after they after a, a, in the beginning of the season, it kind of looked like they would be competitive towards the top of the Big Ten. But the Big Ten's so good with Iowa and Kalen Clark and Indiana and Ohio State. Where do you see this team? You know, they, they, they're, right now, they're ranked third in the Big Ten just based on the AP rankings. Ohio State's three, Indiana six, um, Iowa's 12, Michigan's 17. Where do you see this team kind of racking up? Um, ranking up in terms of their Big Ten standing, where if they, this would be their most impressive Big Ten, if they win the regular season Big Ten regular season title or the conference title, this would be their most impressive by far, just of how talented and how deep this conference has become after Maryland just dominated it for years and years. Yeah, and and, and you know we've talked about it on previous podcasts with you know the women's team and and non revenue sports as well. The Big Ten has kind of taken the lead of, of Maryland ever since, you know, Brenda came and they dominated the, the conference when Maryland joined in 2014, dominated since then. Now you're seeing, you know, the program at its or the, the conference, excuse me, is absolute best. Indiana is a perennial contender. Now Ohio State is Iowa, Michigan, Illinois is playing great. Like there's four teams in the top 12. Ohio State still hasn't lost the game at 17 and 0. I think this is a team that'll finish top three in the conference. I'm not going to go out there and say they'll win. Um, just given the fact they have all these tough games, tough games left. They still got to go at Ohio state in the season finale. We'll see. Maybe that one matters at Indiana tomorrow night. That's a national TV game on big 10 network, six 30. Um, and you got to You guys still got to play Iowa. You still got to play Illinois. Um, 
Iowa twice, excuse me. Um, so you'll play him on the road there as well. Caitlin Clark, obviously phenomenal talent. I'm going to go third in the Big Ten. They're tied for second right now. I just think given what we've seen from this team and its low moments, I think they've moved on from there. Um, but uh, you're going to fall in the Big Ten. There's just going to be some games you'll fall on the road. Iowa has been getting great crowds with with Caitlin Clark. Um, Ohio State, uh, the school has, has rallied around that one. I have friends who go there, and, and they've been telling me about the women's team. I didn't even know they followed women's basketball, but uh, Ohio State is 17-0, and, and and they've been great there as well. Um, I think somewhere around that three range, I think they'll secure the double bye in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I think that should be the goal. Um, obviously, the goal should be a Big Ten title, but I think if, if you secure the double bye in a conference like this, it, it was certainly a successful season, given the fact that you know this, this team is just completely new. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's kind of why it was expected at the beginning of the season. It's because it was such a new roster. We read stuff about uh, Brenda trying to have team trips, try to build the chemistry and bring this team together because it was such a a new roster. And that's why it was expected a little bit at the start of the season that they, they were going to have those bumps and they were going to figure it out and, and improve as a unit as the team as the year went on. And that's what they've done. Um, when you look at their schedule, obviously very tough road match against Indiana tomorrow on Thursday. Then there's a stretch here to finish the season where they're at Iowa, home against Ohio State, like you said, 17-0. Um, Northwestern, Illinois, who's ranked right now, Michigan State. And then they finish the season the last two games against at home against Iowa and Caitlin Clark. And then um, on the road against Ohio State, that'll be the second time they play them. That's a really difficult stretch. I think that's it's like a five, six-game stretch. And that, they're, we're going to learn a lot about this team and really their title chances in the Big Ten, but also their potential NCAA tournament title chances excuse me, their title chances in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's we're going to learn a lot in these next few weeks um, as the season goes along about what this team is truly capable of and how far they can go as they continue to click. I mean, it's not going to be smooth sailing the rest of the way, but this team has looked really good, and I think they can compete with anyone in the Big Ten, including Iowa, including Ohio State. I agree with you. They'll probably get the double bye, be around uh, the three or four um, seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to get that regular season title. But if they in the tournament, I wouldn't put it past them to somehow make a run. They've shown they can compete with the best. They've been in really tight games. If it's some miracle buzzer beaters, um, that that's kind of good as you build character throughout the season. And you want to you you when you play tight games. You know, a couple of years ago, Maryland, uh, I think it was twenty twenty season. Yeah, Maryland just was blowing teams out in the Big Ten, left and right. There was no one even competitive. And then they entered the NCAA tournament. Um, and they have a chance to make the final four against Texas and they're in some competitive games and, and they don't exactly, ha- they're not used to that. Um, so they get upset by Texas uh, or I don't know if it's an upset, but they lost, they lost to Texas um, and don't end up making the final four, which was, and that Maryland team was a two seed in the line on, on the bracket, but they were one of the best teams in the country, no doubt. So, but that was a season where they were just dominating everyone winning by 20, 30 points, scoring 90 plus uh, points per game. And they didn't really um, have the, the tight game experience and the close game experience that you need as you enter postseason play. So I think that's really going to help them. They've had that this so far this season, and I'm sure they'll continue to have it against tr- such strong competition in the Big Ten. So I think that that'll help them, and we'll see what this team's capable of the rest of the way. No doubt. Um, definitely an exciting time for Maryland to, to, and Brenda Fries just to be right back on track um, after losing, you know, Angel Reese, who, by the way, is might be the best player in the entire country. Um, and uh, Ashley Wusu gone. Um, it was it was a hectic roster turnover um, this past year. And I think uh, tomorrow night's game will be, you know, won't be the end all be off. They lose that one, but it'll, it'll certainly be, you know, telling for their Big Ten title title hopes excuse me big 10 title hopes so we'll see yeah absolutely all right well um we appreciate everyone listening uh we'll we'll be back on the air next wednesday maryland will have men's basketball will have one game under their belt against iowa we'll see we'll of course talk about that and then you know hopefully they have a better road showing that they've they've shown in in previous games and then they'll be back at home against michigan next thursday so we'll preview that game as well um all right well thanks for listening everybody we'll talk to you next week